Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Perky Avos podcast. This is Rabbi Shlomo Kohn, where we live with the ethics of the Torah. If you have any questions or comments, please feel free to reach out to me at Rabbi Shlomo Kohn with a K at gmail.com. I'd love to hear your feedback. For this week, we begin with Perakei Mishnah Tezayin. Chapter 5, Mishnah 16. The Mishnah reads, Arba Midais Binois Netzedaka. We're continuing with the discussion of fours. There are four types of donors to charity. Number one is one who wishes to give himself but wants others not to give. So what does the Mishnah say on him? He begrudges others. Number two, the second type of person when it comes to giving charity. The second type of giver is someone that wants others to give, but he should not give. And what does the Mishnah say on him? He begrudges himself. And we'll explain what that means shortly. The third type of donor to charity is yitain v'yitnu acherim, is that he gives and he wants others also to give. The Mishnah says on him, chassid. He is a pious person, a righteous person. And the fourth category of people when it comes to giving tzedakah, to giving donations to the poor, is someone who is he doesn't want to give and he doesn't want others to give. What does the mission refer to him as? A Russia, someone who is wicked. So we have the four different types of people when it comes to giving tzedakah, when it comes to giving charity. Now, it's always interesting to make a connection with the last Mishnah or the placement of each Mishnah, why it is in each place and why it's listed where it's listed. So in the previous Mishnah, earlier, and it just it's important to note that this Mishnah, Mishnah 16, is different than the previous Mishnah of Mishnah 13. In Mishnah 13, we dealt with Arba Midois Ba'adam. There are four types of people in regards to giving. So we discussed then that it dealt with giving money as well. But that Mishnah was discussing all areas of exchange between people. As opposed to this Mishnah, Tezayin 16, is discussing specifically the trait of philanthropy, giving. And that's what we're discussing over here. The different types of personalities when it comes to the mitzvah of giving, of giving tzedakah, of giving donations. Now, the placement, the reason why it's here is actually interesting. The commentaries explain that, that this Mishnah is strategically placed because in the last Mishnah, we discussed about the four types of students. A student that maybe remembers more. It's easy to learn. A student that has it easier to learn and maybe doesn't remember for so long. Someone who has a harder time, but remembers. And one of the reasons that the Mishnah discussed these different types of students 
was that if there's only enough money to support one of these students, you obviously you take the person, you support the person who is going to be who's going to excel the most, or to determine which one we will support. And the mission over here, following this mission, discusses the four types of people that are found when it comes to going to the study hall, to going to learn Torah. And what's the lesson here? So we have this mission of tzedakah, sandwiched between the mission of the types of students and the types of people or the types of attitudes that we have when it comes to going to the study hall. The connection is very clear that there's a, there's a direct connection between learning Torah and supporting Torah scholars and Torah institutions. And, and this is also known as a Yisachar Zavulin partnership. The Mishnah Navos states, Im ein kemach ein Torah. Im ein Torah ein kemach. That if there is no wheat, there's no Torah. And if there's no Torah, there's no wheat. Meaning there's a direct connection between money and Torah study. And it's, it's a two-way relationship. Because on one hand, a, a Torah scholar, someone who studies Torah full-time, and Torah institutions, our yeshivas, our shuls, our places, places of study where we study Torah, they need the financial support of the people. Because when it refers to kemach in the Torah, a lot of times it refers to, that means money, right? If there's no support for the Torah, for the people who study Torah, for the institutions that, that encourage the study of Torah, so then it can't continue. The lights have to stay on. The rabbis have to be paid. Food needs to be provided, so on and so forth. The list goes on. But on the flip side as well, if there's no Torah, if there are no people studying Torah, if there are no institutions of greater Torah study, so then the world suffers because there is no, the, the abundance we have or the success we have is tied to the Torah. And we have to keep that in mind that it's this, it's this two-way relationship that we need to have, the Torah needs to be supported, but at the same time, the Torah supports the financial endeavors that we all do. People who study Torah, the institutions bless us with success from the fact that Torah is studied and mitzvahs are done. And it's an important thing to keep in mind. Now, I mentioned before about the Yisachar and Zavulin partnership, that we said when somebody supports a Torah scholar or an institution of Torah study, such as a synagogue, a yeshiva, a organization that furthers the, the study of Torah and the learning of Torah. So the supporter gets a piece of that reward. Now, Yisachar and Zavulan, just to give a little background, Yisachar and Zavulan were two of the, of the 12 sons of Jacob. Jacob had 12 sons, and two of them were Yisachar and Zavulan. And we know in the Torah it says that Yisachar studied Torah. They were the teachers of Torah, the judges, the... The, the, the leaders of the Jewish people, the scholars, and his, their brother, Zavulan, were merchants. They dwelled by the seashore, and they, they, they um, conducted commerce, and they were very successful. And they made a deal together. 
Yisachar and Zavulan made a business-like deal that Zavulan committed to supporting their brethren of Yisachar and the reward would be that the, the reward that Yisachar would get would be split with Zavulan. And that's referred to as a Yisachar-Zavulan partnership. That Zavulan was making money and supporting their brother and, and because of that, Yisachar the tribe of the Yisachar, Yisachar was able to totally focus on Torah learning and devote themselves to the study of Torah. There are two ideas which I want to point out from this partnership and the importance of study and the importance of supporting Torah scholars and Torah institutions. The first idea is that when we, when a person let's say the two, the two tribes of Yisachar and Zavulun. When Zavulun, the tribe of Zavulun was, took, took it upon themselves to support their brother Yisachar, so it gave their drive for success and their drive to make a profit more of a meaning. They weren't just trying to make a buck. They weren't just making a profit the revenue that they were generating was the was the springboard or was the power that was causing a whole tribe to study Torah. So when somebody takes it upon themselves to support Torah institutions, to support a Torah scholar, they're giving a whole new meaning to the income that they're generating. That they're not, you know, obviously a person, you know, needs to cover his basic necessities in life, right? That's that's what we're all trying to do. We're, we're trying to cover our expenses, to be able to live our life, to cut, to have what we need for ourselves. But you know, thank God we're blessed that many times we have more than what we, what we need. We're able to put things away. We're able to have extra money to spend. So sometimes when we are in the workforce, we might lose sight of things a little bit. We're just generating money. We're just trying to make money, trying to be successful. But when a person who who had and has a, a outlook and a, a um, who supports Torah institutions is not just making money anymore to turn a profit, but rather they're using that their income that Hashem has blessed them with, that God has granted them to cause the furtherance of Torah, to, cre- to, to create more Torah in the world. The person is causing more Torah to be learned, more mitzvot to be done. It's not just a drive to just make money. It's giving that company, that person, more importance, the mission that they're doing, what they're trying to accomplish, more of an importance. And number two, aside from the charity that one gives when they give to a Torah institution or to a Torah scholar, the reward that a person gets is just as much as the person who studied Torah. Meaning that if if a person gives money to a, a, a worthy Torah scholar and because of that money, this Torah scholar is able to delve into the depths of Torah and bring out new ideas. So that clarity and the reward that that Torah scholar get is attributed to you, to the one who supported him. And it's not just that, that God willing in the next world, the person who cause that 
knowledge to come into being will also know and have that same reward and will know that Torah as well. It's, it's, it's so much his that when he comes to the next world, he's going to know that Torah just as well as the person who actively learned it. And that's just two points which I wanted to bring out. Number one is it gives a new meaning to the, I guess, the financial advantages we're trying to make. And number two is it also gives a tremendous reward to the, to the people who, who want to learn, who, who want to learn, but maybe can't, it enables someone to get the same reward as somebody who actually went through the learning and, and helps them get to that understanding as well. Now, a person might ask themselves, you just told me that a person who supports Torah scholars, who supports the study of Torah, is just as good as the person who actually studies it. The first question I wanted to bring out about these two points is that maybe a person might say to themselves, I'm not a philanthropist. I'm not, I don't have a million dollars in my bank account. How can I be a supporter of Torah? How can I have that merit? And that's a valid question. You might ask yourself, you know, most people don't have the means to totally support another. It's for the very select few that maybe have the ability to take it upon themselves to financially bankroll a family, an institution, a community. But for the vast majority of us, we're not in that position. Does that mean we don't have the merit of, the, of supporting Torah scholars and Torah institutions? What can we do to, to gain that mitzvah for ourselves, to gain that merit? Now, it's important to note that to be considered a supporter of the Torah, one need not be a billionaire or a millionaire or even make six digits. We just need to be strategic. What do I mean by that? Because if a person gives whatever they can give to one of, to any cause that furthers Torah, that causes more Torah to be learned, that brings about more mitzvos. So that person is considered a supporter of, of Torah. Even if it's a small amount, you are a partner in the Torah study that has been accomplished through, those, through that money, through the donation of time even. If a person gives of their time to an organization that helps Torah scholars or to a to an actual Torah scholar. You don't have to go through organizations. It could be your time. It could be whatever money you're able to give. And when a person does that, they're also considered a supporter of the Torah to their ability. It's also to, important to remember that each and every one of us in our situations, we have the ability to be a supporter of Torah. And I'll explain. I know somebody who has a company and his company employs um, about three people. It's a small company, but he's he looks at it that the women he employs, he employs a few nurses who are women, 
And these women, their husbands sit in kolal. They learn in kolal throughout the day. That means the wives of these men are, are the ones bringing in the income. And that's what they choose. They're happy to do it, these women. And they, they, they view it as a sacred mission, which they enjoy. And that's what they do. But they're the main breadwinners. And they do this so that their husbands can study undisturbed. Now, the person who has this company doesn't view it that he's just employing three women. He looks at it that he's able to give, um, to, to support three Kolel families. Because the fact that he has a company, he's able to employ three women who are, who are in turn supporting their husbands. Now, maybe we all don't have companies, but we have the opportunity to support others. Maybe we have the opportunity to support Torah scholars, whether it be patronizing their business or maybe it's some other opportunity to give over some time to help another as well. And that's also considered um, supporting Torah scholars because you're doing something to actively help them further their mission of, of, of delving into the depths of the Torah. And it's really just a, a special thing to begin with. When we look for opportunities, we don't just look at the things we do as for ourselves, but rather if we look at it as a benefit for others that we're able to help others have a livelihood, to earn a respectable livelihood. So then the things that we do can have an elevated status. The question that you might ask is that I just think we just had a whole talk here, a whole explanation, how a supporter of the Torah, someone who gives to worthy causes such as Torah scholars and organizations that further the study of the Torah, you get the same reward. So you might ask to yourself, if that's the case, why do I need to study? Why do I need to do mitzvahs? I'll just support somebody else and then I can do whatever I want. Why is it necessary for me to study myself? I could just support somebody and I'll get the same reward. So it's a good question. And I, I was thinking about it a little bit and I came up with a few different answers that we can give tonight. The first thing is that we all have to remember that in the end of the day, there's 613 mitzvos that we all need to fulfill to the best of our ability. Now, not all of us are able to study Torah all day for whatever reasons. Maybe some of us have different financial constraints, or maybe some of us are just not able to do that. So in a situation such as that, when we're supporting Torah scholars, it's sort of they're sort of taking over the responsibility that we have. They're maybe that we're not able to right now, and they're sort of making up for us. But for sure, we need to do the best we can as well. We can't just we can't just throw our responsibility onto others. The fact that a person who supports Torah gets the reward as someone who studied it doesn't mean that he has 612 mitzvot instead of 613 mitzvot. He still has the 613 mitzvot that Hashem commanded him. And we have to remember that, that it's not about the being a supporter of Torah is important, but at the end of the day, we have to remember that we have a responsibility to, the, to be the best we can be as well. And that means doing all the mitzvot and 
One of the mitzvot is Talmud Torah, teaching Torah and learning Torah. And that's something we need to do. So just to say, I'm going to support someone else and I won't do myself is not necessarily a, a uh, valid point because we have the responsibility ourselves to do and we can't just throw it onto someone else. We have to actively do and we cannot sit back and say someone else will fulfill my responsibility. And another point, which is actually mentioned as to why we need to actually learn ourselves as opposed to having someone else do it for us is that is really brought up by a famous story. Irving Bunum was a famous philanthropist who lived, I think, in the 1930s to 50s. And he was one of the early supporters of Rabbi Aaron Cutler. Rabbi Aaron Cutler was the founder of the Lakewood Yeshiva. Lakewood Yeshiva has, I think, over 6,000 students. It's, liquid, it's base Medrash Gavoa, it's also known as. And Rev. Aaron Cutler was the founder of the Yeshiva. And in the early days when he started Yeshiva, which was in the 1950s, there were very few people that were willing to step up and financially back him. And one of the individuals who actually stood up, who stepped up to the plate and contributed and actively helped to get the yeshiva off the ground was Mr. Irving Bunim, who donated time and money to make sure that the yeshiva was successful. And the question that Irving Bunim asked Rabbi Aaron Cutler was the same question that we're discussing tonight. And he said, why do I have to study Torah myself if I could just support the Torah and I'll have the same reward. So Rab Aaron Cutler famously answered him. He said, you're right. You'll have Olam Haba. You'll have the next world. But what about this world? That a person who studies Torah, aside from getting a reward in the, in the next world, he also has a more enjoyable life in this world as well because he's pushing himself and developing himself and gaining that closeness to Hashem, the closeness to God. And a person who supports the Torah, sure, he's going to get a reward, but the actual gain that a person gets through studying Torah, the, the, the closeness to Hashem, the relationship with God, the development of his mind, the pleasures of getting closer to Hashem through learning, that he'll be missing out on. I mean, and that, that's what it means, this world, that Rabbi Aaron Cutler was telling him, you're right, you'll have a reward in the next world, but what's going to be with this world? You're not going to get, you're not going to be able to maximize your experience and your own enjoyment, your spiritual uh, enjoyment in this world, unless you yourself are involved in the study of Torah as well. Now, we, just, we talked about in the Mishnah the four types of personalities when it comes to tzedakah. The first one was, that someone who wants, who wishes to give himself, but wants others to not give. So he said, he begrudges others. He doesn't like it. He doesn't like that others, others should give. And we'll explain what that means in a minute. And the second case was that a person 
others should give, but he should not give. He begrudges himself. So there's two points which I wanted to bring out from these cases in the Mishnah. All of us do good things all the time. Every day we learn, we daven, we give charity, we try to be nice to others. We try to follow what Hashem says. We try to do what God wants. So we can think to ourselves, and we think we do think to ourselves that the Yetzer Tov, the good inclination within ourselves, is winning. The Yetzer Tov, the good, the good side, the good guy, the Yetzer Tov, the, our, our, our Yetzer Tov, our good inclination is winning the battle against the Yetzer Hara, the evil inclination. But that might not be the case. Sure, we get reward for every mitzvah that we do. Every good deed that we do is going to be rewarded and we're going to get our, our, we're going to get a reward for it. But, and we should continue to do mitzvahs no matter what our intentions is. If, but if we look on a deeper level, what are the motives behind the good things that we do? Which forces are putting us up to what we're doing? Maybe our desire to be honored is what's causing us to do something good. Maybe we want, to, we want to look good in front of our friends. Or maybe we want to be better than everyone else. So it's not necessarily the, the mitzvah, the Yetzir Tov, that's getting us to do good things. And this is actually a very deep idea. Because a lot of the things that we do, the good things that we do, are caused or the Yetzir Hara, the evil inclination, gets us to do that. Meaning our bad side is pushing us to do good things, which is a very interesting thing. Because the Yetzir Hara, he has one mission, to bring us down. So he'll even talk us into doing something good if in the end it's going to bring us down. Now, again, I don't want a person to start thinking, oh, I'll stop doing mitzvahs. We should do the mitzvahs. But the point is, is that sometimes we need to look into the actions that we do to refine them, to make them even purer with better intentions to make it the most pure and the most lofty. Just like by gold, we have to get the the the, dro- the impurities out. You, you boil it until it gets the most pure. So with our mitzvahs as well, sometimes there's some mixture of bad that can be mixed into our mitzvahs. And we if we just think about it a little bit sometimes, we'll, we'll be able to purify our intentions to make it a totally good action. Now, what does this have to do with our Mishnah? Because the Mishnah, the Mishnah says that someone who wants to give himself but does not want others to give and he begrudges others, what does that mean? It means that somebody is willing to do a mitzvah, he's willing to give charity, but he's not so willing for others to maybe be involved with it, for others to take away some of his honor, for others to take some of the credit. He wants it all for himself. And if somebody else gets involved, it's going to bother him. It's going to make him upset. So he'd rather that no one else get involved, no other charity be given, and only he's going to do it, and therefore he'll get full credit. Is his mitzvah pure? Is his mitzvah untainted? No. There could be 
plenty of bad things which are pushing him to do the good action he's trying to do. And the point is, is the message for us is that many times we do things, but we don't necessarily have the best intentions. And again, it's important to do mitzvot and to, to get into routine, to train ourselves to do more and more. But at the same time, it's important to discuss such a concept that we should look at the things we do and see what's our motives behind it. Is it as pure as, as it could be? It, can we get something? Are there any impurities in there? And just to think about the things we do and the mitzvahs we do to get to a more elevated place and a more elevated level of mitzvahs. And it's an important thing just to talk about, even if we're not necessarily holding by it, but to have the idea, to have the thought there that there's such a concept of having the most pure intentions when we do a mitzvah. Because if we don't know the concept, we can never get there. So it's important that we should all discuss this to have a an, an idea that there's levels in doing mitzvahs. And if a, if we if you want more information on this, I would I would advise looking at Masilas Yesharim talks about this concept in depth, the path of the just. The second idea which I wanted to share from this part of the Mishnah is the importance of letting others be involved. Now, we know from this Mishnah, from this first case, that this individual, he wants to give the tzedakah. He wants to give all the charity, but he doesn't want anyone else to be involved. We explained that this person seems like he wants all the credit for himself. He wants to be in charge of it. And he doesn't want anyone else to be involved. But by in the Torah and by mitzvahs as well, it's important that we get everyone involved. And it's important that everyone specifically should be a supporter of Torah as well. Now, it's in um, just to contrast the Torah's view on getting everyone involved as far as charity and in mitzvot, there's a famous story that said that the Chavetz Chaim, Rabbi Yisrael Meir Kagan, lived until 1936, no, 1933, I believe. And a story is told that the Wisotsky family, I believe, at a certain point, committed to the Chavetz Chaim, the Wasatsky family was the tea company. I guess they, it was a very wealthy Jewish family who owned tea. And I guess they had a lot of holdings throughout the world. They committed to him, to the Chavetz Chaim, that they would take it upon themselves to totally support all the yeshivas. And in those days, the yeshiva system was governed by a central fund which distributed the money throughout all of Europe to all the different yeshivas. And the Chavetz Chaim refused. He refused to take the offer from the Wasatsky family for two different reasons. So one reason was that if, the, if, the, if he would take up this offer and the family would fail, the business would fail, so then that would mean the whole yeshiva system would fail in turn because it would be too hard to find a new donors by the time 
in that short in that short amount of time to find new donors in that short amount of time. And the second reason that the Chavetz Chaim refused was that the Torah, the yeshiva system, he he said, is meant to be supported by all the Jewish people. It's not meant to be given just by one family. And this is really in contrast to the universities because I, I was reading somewhere that most of the universities are funded or most of the budgets and these trust funds that these universities are sitting on are funded through massive or extremely wealthy donors who donate a tremendous amount of money. It's not necessarily from these small donors, from the regular people, it's from these extremely wealthy individuals. And you could contrast with the Torah that the Torah encourages every single person, no matter of his, of his background and his means, to contribute to be a supporter of the Torah. It's not just for the wealthy. It's for everybody because every Jewish person has a chilek in Torah. They have a portion in the Torah. That means they have a portion in the Torah that they can, that's just for them as far as learning, that there's their portion of the Torah for them. But I think it also means maybe on a, another level as well that they have their portion of the Torah to support, that we need everyone to give their support to the Torah. Because when we all come together to support something, it brings up the whole level of the Torah, observance of the Torah, the feeling we have for our institutions as well. You know, when, when somebody is vested into something, they feel much stronger about it than somebody is not vested. They'll push themselves a little further. So the Torah's outlook is that we want everyone to be involved and to have that schus, that merit of supporting the Torah. It's not just for the few, it's for everybody. And I just this is really brings me to another point that when it comes to mitzvos in general, it's important for us to look for opportunities to include people. You know, inclusion is a very um, used word nowadays. So when it comes to mitzvos, we should look for inclusion to have to include people to do mitzvos, to include others, to bring people into the fold. And it's this is the Torah outlook in the Torah way to look for opportunities to get to get in, to get others involved. And the benefits of doing this is are many. Number one is people feel part of it. They feel they feel part of something larger. Number two is you recognize the importance of the cause when a person actually gives money to something. Another reason is that it's a stronger foundation, right? We see people talking about grassroots donations to make a separation. That when it shows the strength of a political candidate, when they have a tremendous high amount of, of donation, a tremendously high uh, amount of donations from the grassroots, means some regular people. That means you're they're connecting with those people. So when we, when the quote unquote grassroots say, given a donation to support the Torah, we're also connecting, we're connecting ourselves. And number four is that when we include people, it gives us an opportunity to build people as well. And that's also a very important point. Okay, let's continue. So the Mishnah continues with Yidnu v'yidnu acherem chasid. A person 
who gives himself and gets others to give is a pious person. Now, we know that there is a concept that a person's life always comes first. Your life comes before someone else. And it's in, it's in a physical sense and a spiritual sense, both. That you have to look after your physical well-being first and so too your spiritual well-being. But it's also very important for a person to also have in mind the spiritual well-being of others as well. Doesn't mean that you have to um, put, put, don't put yourself first. You need to put yourself first. But at the same time, it's also important to have others in mind as well and to focus on the welfare of others, their spiritual welfare. And that's why a person who doesn't, who looks at himself and who he wants to give and he wants others to give as a chassid, because he doesn't just care about himself. He cares that others should be involved. He doesn't want just the mitzvah for himself. He wants others to get involved in the mitzvah. He wants others to give the charity. He wants, he wants, he cares about the cause. He cares about that there should be more money given to charity. He doesn't care about his honor. He cares about the actual goal. And a lot of times when we think of ourselves in that way, it's a lot easier to think that it's, it's not about me. It's not about me. It's about the greater good. It's about what Hashem wants. And that's why this, this person is referred to as a chassid. And we know that greater is the one who gets someone to do, to do a mitzvah than one who does a mitzvah himself. And that's pretty amazing. That if somebody, if you get someone to do something good, that's the, the reward you get is greater than if you would do the same mitzvah yourself. Because it's, it's one thing just to give money to tzedakah. It's one thing just to do a mitzvah yourself. But to be so passionate that you get someone else to, to be involved, you get another person to do a mitzvah, that's even greater than you yourself doing that same mitzvah. And there's actually a famous story that said, and we'll finish with this story, that the Satmar Rebbe who lived, who passed away in, I believe, 1979, Rabbi Yol he once asked one of his chassidim, his wealthy followers, to help him raise a, a $10,000. And in those days, that was a tremendous amount of money. So he told his, his, his chassid, his follower, please raise $10,000 for this and this cause. So the, this individual who was a man of his means, if, if your Rebbe tells you something to do, you do it right then. No questions asked. He takes out his checkbook and he writes the Rebbe, the Satmar Rebbe, a check for $10,000 on the spot. And he hands it to him. And the Rebbe takes the check. He looks at it and hands it back to him. He said, and he says, I didn't ask you for $10,000. I asked you to raise $10,000. He wanted him not just to give the money. He wanted him to raise the money because greater is the one who gets others to do a mitzvah than one who does the mitzvah themselves. When you get others involved in good things, it's even better than if you would do it yourself. And there's just an attitude we should try to have when it comes to Torah and comes to mitzvahs. It's not just about us. It's about others as well. It doesn't mean you should go around and, and uh, you know, doesn't mean we need, we need to be nags to people, but there's, the, there's ways of doing things and there's ways of doing things. When people see we're passionate about something, 
that we care about something, they want to get involved. People want to help with good causes. And when you show someone that you care about it, you show someone that the mitzvahs are important, you show someone that you care, the importance of studying Torah, the importance of supporting Torah, the importance of doing mitzvahs, whatever it may be, and you show that excitement, that encouragement, it naturally rubs off on other people. And it's, and it's easier than you might think because you know, there's a certain siyat deshmaya, there's a certain help from God that someone, someone gets when they set out to do a good mission, to do a good thing. And God willing, we should look for all these opportunities to be that chassid, to be that righteous person who doesn't just look for opportunities themselves to do, but rather also looks for the opportunity to get others involved as well. And that will finish for today's Mishnah. So thank you for joining the Pirkei Avos podcast. I hope you all enjoyed. If you have any questions or comments, please feel free to reach out to me at Rabbi Shlomo Kohn with a K at gmail.com. Everyone have a great day.